Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and today is going to be an extremely fun episode as we go through this dark period of the offseason. And what we're going to be doing is just focusing on our team, obviously, and what makes us so different. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through every single positional group and very detailed positional group. So not just linemen, we're going to be breaking down Offensive tackles versus interior linemen, not just defensive linemen or secondary. We'll be breaking down safeties and corners. And we're going to put every single position group in a tier versus the rest of the NFL. So, for example, here are the tiers that I have outlined and what they mean. The top tier is elite, top four in the NFL. Okay, so if our position group falls in within the top four, and with some of the higher ones, like I went through and ranked all 32 teams because I have problems in the offseason, um, and how did we stack up against those and where would I take those? And so I'll put the exact number on some of these top positional groups and where we fit. The second tier is very good, or in that 5 to 10 range of the NFL. Then there's good, 11 to 15. And then average 16 to 20, below average between teams 21 to 25, and then awful. If you are in the bottom six of the NFL, that is just awful. Unfortunately, we do have some uh, position groups that qualify in that tier. Um, So after that, uh, we go through that and we break all that down. We are going to be doing a little bit of a history lesson of the NFC West since the merger, which took place in 1970-71 season. So, and we're going to go through total wins, um, all that kind of stuff, winning percentage, winning seasons, all that kind of stuff, and just break down for a quick snapshot to remind us of who we are. And man, we're going through a rust batch now, but still, even amidst that, we are still a beyond a great franchise. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it. The elite top four. Now, I have two position groups that belong in this tier. We do not have any position group that I ranked number one overall in the NFL, but we do have one that ranks number two in the NFL, and that is none other than our tight end group. I love our tight end group very, very much, and it's it's one of those weird position groups because there's not that many players, right? We had four tight ends take snaps last year. Uh, that's it, but you got to put George Kittle up there, which in my opinion is the best tight end in the entire NFL, and it's not that close. You know, if you look at The two other tight ends that are mentioned in the same realm as George Kittle is Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Well, here's the deal. Um, As far as receiving 
options, that's fine. You, all those three could be in the exact same category, and I would have no qualms if you said, well, Zach Ertz is a better receiver. Look at how many receptions and his target catch rate and all that stuff. I understand that. If you want to talk about Kittle, I'm sorry, if you want to talk about Kelsey and his touchdowns, I understand that. Uh, he's been doing it for a very, very long time, no problem. But whenever you talk about the other part of the being a tight end and the blocking and physicality and all those things, those guys do not hold a candle to George Kittle. So then the question is, well, then why do I have us number two? Well, after George Kittle, there's a decent drop-off. I think Caden Smith... Our draft pick out of Stanford is going to be our number two tight end, perhaps uh, Levine Toyololo, but and then Garrick Selleck maybe, Ross D uh, Dwelly maybe, but we don't have a lot of depth at that position. The Eagles beat us there because Zach Ertz I do hold well below, and he's much older than Kittle, but they also have Dallas Goddard behind him, which was a very high second-round uh, pick. And I think Dallas Goddard, he's a top-six tight end in the entire NFL. So the depth that they have, I put Eagles number one. I have us number two. Then I put the um, Colts number three because, again, they've got three tight ends that are very, very good. And Moali Cox, Jack Doyle, and yeah, I don't think that yeah, <laughs> drop a lot of touchdowns. Uh, Ebron is very good, but he scores touchdowns like crazy. Then I have the Chiefs four. So we are number two there. So we have an elite position group in there and tight ends. And, man, it's crazy to think that George Kittle, I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it, is already the best player at his position in only his second year. He's only played two years, and he's already the number one. So very excited to see what he can do with Garoppolo back. He, he broke the record for most receiving yards by a tight end ever in the season with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, so uh, that, that's something to look at there. Now, we have one more position group that is in this tier, and it is close. And these are our edge rushers. It's crazy to think that we went from our biggest question mark on the team last year was the edge rusher position to now we are considered in that elite tier. And I, I don't have a problem with it. I have us ranked as the number four edge rushers. Um, in the entire NFL. So, and a lot of it has to do with, man, the two new additions that we made. D Ford, absolutely incredible. His stats. Uh, Nick Bosa, number one player on the board, but again, he hasn't done it yet. So, if he plays to his potential, yeah, perhaps we could be even higher than number four, but that is still amazing. And then you add in the depth of having Eric Armstead, one of the best run defenders from the edge position in the entire NFL. Cameron Jordan, uh, you could put ahead of him there. But I think that might be about it as far as just what they do versus the run. So you have this depth there. Then you throw in Ronald Blair. That's a nice backup that would start for half of the league. And I, I hate to say this, but you know I'm working on a couple pieces where I'm talking about possible trade candidates during training camp Ronald Blair is one of those guys that could get a third or a fourth round from an edge needy team because his film is so good and he's so dependable and he's so versatile uh, three four four three teams would all cover covet him and we're just so stacked at the position uh, I hope that we do keep him but if we could get a third for Ronald Blair I would be very very happy for that so Let's look at the teams that I have ranked ahead of the 49ers. I have us at number four, and I only have three teams ahead of us. So the Chargers, I think, are number one with Bosa's brother. And uh, Ingram, that is just an absolute elite D 
defensive line. They are just unbelievable. Broncos, uh, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, those two guys, you know, young. You've got your older elite guy, defensive MVP and, you know, Von Miller, Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller. And then you add in Chubb who had double-digit sacks last year in his rookie year. The Browns, you know, they've got Garrett and they just traded for Olivier Vernon. There's a lot of talent there. <laughs> we're going to see that. And that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Teams that were close to the 49ers that I didn't put uh, ahead of us, the Eagles, man, they have so much depth. Brandon Graham is kind of their top-tier guy, but they don't really have that elite guy. Uh, the Bears, obviously, Khalil Mack. You could talk about Leonard Floyd, but he can't stay healthy. Would you take Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd over D. Ford and Bosa? Perhaps, but then whenever you look at Eric Armstead, I think that totally tips the scales because we have our, I guess, dependability because we have the depth there. Then you throw in Ronald Blair versus Aaron Lynch, and I think we all know the answer to that one. And then the Texans. You know, I count J.J. Watt as an inside guy. Uh, he plays defensive end but it's in that three four and usually he lines up inside the tackle sometimes he's outside the tackle but so i didn't count them there with jadavian Clowney and uh, whitney merciless i would take our edge rushers over that so again here's the deal if we jump back before you know kyle shanahan and john lynch came into our team we would have zero on the elite tier we would have nothing I really don't think that we would have anything there. So uh, have, has our roster improved? Hell yeah, it has. Um, are we there yet? No, we're not. And as we continue through this, you know, I wanted to start off with the positive, and this is great, the fact that uh, a lot of teams will not have positions in the elite tier. They just will not. But the fact that we do, and especially whenever you look at edge, that is a premier position. You have quarterback, which is in a tier by itself. And I'm changing my thinking here. I know you guys have heard me say this a lot of times, but I'm changing the way I think. Uh, the second tier is going to be cornerbacks and edge together. I'm bumping up cornerbacks. I think that they are becoming more and more valuable throughout the NFL. And then third tier by themselves is offensive tackles. So then everything after that, don't really care. You can put it in whatever order you want. But I feel like if you, if you dominate those three areas – you're going to be incredible, and you're going to win for a long time. Now, let's drop down to our second tier. This is the very good tier, and it's ranked 5 through 10. Now, whenever I started off, I, I put this group in the elite tier. These are our offensive tackles with Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. They are absolutely unreal. Staley's the best run blocker in the NFL from the tackle position, uh, has been several times throughout his career. So de dependable. So glad we signed him to an extension. He may never play out another two years i hope he does after this year so three years is on his contract now but even if he doesn't let that guy have his money i am so proud of that guy the best offensive lineman in the history of the 49ers and that's saying a lot but uh initially i thought we would be top three at the offensive tackles and then i started going through the teams and man i just kept bumping us down a little bit because again mcclinchy is great i'm not trying to knock or say anything bad about him i love him he is one of my favorite 49ers personality wise all those things but um you know he, he graded out as the number 26 offensive tackle and a lot of that was a learning curve those first four weeks but he's still got a ways to go and we don't really have a swing tackle behind him 
I understand we drafted Justin School, and I think he is going to win that role. But him and Sean Coleman, that's not a <laughs> that's it's not a good position that you want to be in without a good backup. We don't have a backup tackle that took a snap last year. Staley and McGlinchey took them all, and that's it. That's all we got. Gilliam came in under some things, but he's gone now. So all the guys that we have, they've never taken a snap. So huge question mark there. So teams that I put ahead of the 49ers in the offensive tackle group that pushed us out of the elite tier, the Eagles are number one, and it's not close. Jason Peters, Lane Johnson. Then they trade up in the first round to get Andre Dillard, the best pass-blocking uh, offensive tackle in the draft this year. Uh, hilarious whenever they jumped in front of the Texans, though. Uh, that cracked me up. Not that I disliked the Texans. I just thought it was funny. So Eagles are in a tier by themselves. They're number one. Saints, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, both top eight tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. And you watch their film. They just keep Drew Brees upright at all times. The Rams, uh, Andre Whitworth and Rob Haverstein, both top ten guys. Um, now, I don't think that they will last. I think this could be Whitworth's last year. I believe he is 36. Um, he's played for a long time at a very elite tier. And then the team that I thought we were closest to, but it, my recency bias, my homer bias, I had to I had to give it to the Packers. You know, David Bak Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, that's a better tandem as of now. Doesn't mean it won't be later, but, man, that's elite tier. So those are the top four. We are the odd man out, which is going to push us to very good. But again, going back to this positional um, kind of hierarchy, quarterbacks number one, the two most important positions after that, but corners and edge, we got edge. And then after that, you got offensive tackles. So we have two very good and elite in those kind of main positional groups that matter. So of the four position groups that matter the most, we have two excellent ones, and it looks like it's going to continue to be that way for at least another two years. Now, running backs I have in the very good category as well. I have us in that 8 to 10 range. Now, here's the deal. I understand we do not have that clear uh, star quality running back. You know, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Christian McCaffrey. We don't have that clear-cut guy, but we do have the most depth in the entire NFL at the running back position, and I don't think it's close. I, I really do not think so. You know, you look at Breida, averaged 5.3 yards per carry last year. I understand he's banged up a lot, uh, caught almost everything over 80% catch rate, just was unbelievable. Then you throw in what we added in Tevin Coleman. You know, we go out and sign. Tevin Coleman was seen as probably the best number two running back in the NFL last year, and he's returning to Kyle Shanahan, who they had a lot, a lot of positives together. Add to the fact Jarek McKinnon didn't take any snaps last year. One of the best players in space or gadget players, just pure speed, athleticism guys out there. And then you look at fullback, we have the best fullback in the league. So would you rather have, you know, a Le'Veon Bell and then just nobody's behind him? I don't know. If Le'Veon Bell stays healthy or doesn't hold out or whatever, that's great. But we saw last year how injuries – can ruin an entire season and get everything off scale. <laughs> People forget, Alfred Morris had the most snaps for us in week one. In week one. It, Alfred Morris was the backup plan from the start. He wasn't even on our roster. Then we had all these injuries take place, and we had to throw this guy in there. Um, and week one, I, I, you know, I tweeted out, 
I think Kyle Shanahan has PTSD when it comes to running back injuries, and he just said, screw it, I want them all. And I haven't even mentioned, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr., who's probably not going to make our roster. That dude's going to get picked up by somebody. Raheem Mostert's going to be active every single time because he's an elite special teamer and can play that third R-back running back position. I really do think there are going to be guys that are inactive on a weekly basis. I think Matt Breed is going to be inactive week one if everybody's healthy. I could see Tevin Coleman being inactive week two. I could see Jarek McKinnon being inactive week three and almost like giving these guys a bye and just keeping them on the 53-man roster, but you only dress 47. You have six inactives every single Sunday that you announce an hour before kickoff. It's, it's possible because if you have an injury at another position, you're going to need to dress more guys. And again, this is a huge hypothetical, but if all of these players stay healthy, somebody you're not going to dress five running backs every single time because you have to include Kyle Juszczyk in that. Juice is dressing. Raheem Mostert's dressing. And then you got to dress two of the other studs. So it's going to be interesting. You know, <laughs> fantasy football players are going to absolutely hate the 49ers this year because let's say you have Jarek McKinnon. He's going to be a healthy scratch some games. I, uh, Breed the same thing. I, I really do believe Kyle Shanahan is basically saying, I'm never going to have happen what happened to us last year, and we're going to protect the team. And if that means these guys have to sit, then they got to sit. It's just what it is. All right. I have one more group in this very good tier, and that is our linebacking core. I, man, I am very excited about what we have here. And Fred Warner and Quan Alexander, those two guys are going to be our starting studs in that Mike and Will spot. And, you know, we can talk about Sam and all that stuff. It, it, Sam's going to get some snaps, but not very much. It's just what it is. Sam doesn't get a lot of snaps in this defense. It's, it's just the truth. With today's NFL, you really have two linebackers, really two and a third linebacking spots. I really believe that Quan Alexander and Fred Warner are two of the best young linebacker core in the entire NFL, and they could be elite, but they're not there yet. Fred Warner's biggest job is missed tackles. He has way too many missed tackles, but he's only played one year. Um, Quan Alexander, his issue, injuries. So if we correct those two issues... Man, you're talking, you know, I have our linebacker group in that number 10 spot, but it could be absolutely amazing. And to add to that, we actually have decent depth at this position now. Elijah Lee, I think, is the clear-cut number one uh, backup linebacker we have. Then Dre Greenlaw, and then Malcolm Smith. Uh, if Malcolm Smith is your number five or number six guy, that should tell you something. When we signed Malcolm Smith, he was our number two guy. And so... You can see, even though we've had so much turmoil at that linebacker position, it has constantly increased, and it's formidable now. Yeah, uh, you know, the Reuben Foster first-round pick, that was a bust. Uh, whatever. You, you take that and you move on. But the fact that we have all of these guys here, um, shoot, we, we've got a lot of guys. There's going to be a good linebacker that gets cut. From this group. So I have us at the number 10, the very bottom spot of that very good category. If you wanted to argue, eh, man, maybe you could push the linebackers down to that 13, 14 area. I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I love the youth and the upside. It's just can Quan stay healthy and could Fred Warner, who I think career is only pointing up, fix his missed tackle issues? 
If you fix those two things, that's a top 10 linebacker core. I really do believe that. Now we're into that next tier, the good tier that I have ranked 11 through 15. So just barely above average. You know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. So that 16 spot is kind of the average or the mean that you're looking for. And I have us just slightly above that in two position groups. And I know some of you guys are listening to this saying, wait a second. This a-hole hasn't said anything about DeForest Buckner yet. You're correct. Um, And that's where I have the interior defensive line. I have us in that 11 to 14 range. And it's all because of DeForest Buckner. You know, I believe DeForest Buckner is the top four defensive tackle in the entire NFL. I have him as the number three defensive tackle in the entire NFL. But outside of that, man, there's not a lot of depth. So do you want to bump us up into that, uh, you know, very good or elite tier just because of DeForest Buckner? I think he's good enough. We're just missing a lot outside of him. Uh, You know, DJ Jones is probably going to start on base downs, which I'm excited about. Um, But again, this isn't a guy that was totally didn't ball out last year. He he has a lot of potential, and we have developed him very, very well. Uh, I think DJ Jones should be seen as one of the draft wins for this front office. You know, they drafted him late, and they... He earned some playing time early, and now he, they've allowed him to take that starting role. That's exactly what you want in these late-day picks, these project players. And so that's exciting. I'm very excited to see what he's going to do. But just to put this in perspective, he didn't get enough snaps to even qualify for Pro Football Focus. He had 239 snaps, and you know he was in spot duty. Well, that number is going to jump up dramatically. He's going to get probably twice that this year. Sheldon Day, is he even going to make the roster? You know, you look at what we have inside, there's question marks. You know, if we're moving Solomon Thomas inside, which we should do on pass rush situations, still a question mark. Yeah, the potential is there. And it's funny, you go back and you look at his pro football focus scores, his worst games were the games where he took most of his snaps from the inside. Now, I know I've been the one uh, there are several others, but I know you've heard me say on this podcast several times, he's got to play inside. Well, they did play him inside towards the end of the season, and he did very, very bad. Uh, I think the number one issue that he has is he attacks a man head up every single time and tries to bull rush, power rush these guys like he did in college, and you cannot do that. He's undersized for an interior guy. He needs to use his elusive agility and attack a fourth of a man or a shoulder it it's funny you know i went back and watched a lot of films sorry i'm staying on this one but you come away with a lot of takeaways that you have from your game film so uh, i start watching week one versus the vikings i pull up my week one game notes that i made the day of the game and i, I open up a separate word document and i just start typing what i see and automatically i'm just like oh goodness solomon thomas hands on both outside shoulders of an offensive tackle you will never win that way you are not demarcus Ware strong um i hit enter then i look over at my previous page from that i did back in september and sure enough i have the exact same notes written down so a lot of times the film shows you exactly what they are perhaps our new defensive line coach which i'm very very excited about I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm not even going to say it. For some reason, I can't say that guy's name. But our defensive line coach, I think, is going to be very, very good. 
that we had two of the worst coach defensive lines and secondaries in the entire NFL, and we got two new uh, coaches at those two position groups. So very, very excited about that. So, again, interior defensive line, Buckner is elite. He is absolutely unbelievable. But outside of that, there are some major question marks. Now, the next position group I have here, I have the quarterbacks in the good category, not the very good category. Um, I get Jimmy Garoppolo could be amazing, could be the best quarterback in the NFL. He has that type of ceiling. I truly do believe that. But he hasn't done it yet. Um, you know, he came in late and won all those games for us, which was freaking awesome. But he come out and he looked pretty bad last year. Um, you know, he didn't get enough snaps. He played two and a half games. He didn't get enough snaps to even qualify for pro football focus. Again, 198 total snaps. But he is good. If you were starting a draft and you wiped clear every NFL roster, okay, and you had, you know, the Vikings and everybody got to make their picks, number one, whatever, Jimmy Garoppolo's going in the first round. Quarterbacks are at a premium. And I do believe with his age and all those things that he would be one of the first probably 12 to 15 quarterbacks taken. That's just the reality of the situation. I think that's where we have to have him now. Hopefully, he will. Our quarterback room will be in the elite tier next year. But again, it, it's it's premature to do that just because we haven't seen it yet. Nick Mullins has probably played the best out of everybody, um, and then CJ. We have the best number three quarterback probably in the NFL. I think Nick Mullins is a decent backup. He's not a great one, but uh, he will win that backup job. He's not the best pa- practice player, and you know OTAs, mini camps, all that kept coming out. CJ's having a better day. CJ's having a better day. I don't care. When the game is on. And we're going to get to see a lot of Nick Mullins in preseason. Just remember how great that guy is. He's the one that thumped the Raiders. He's the one that beat the Seahawks. Uh, that's somebody that I want as my backup. And it, it, it's a feeling of, man, I've been in that position as a coach and as a player. When you have a key player go down, I was never the key player, by the way, side note. But whatever, one of your key players goes down with an injury, and you go, oh, no. And then you realize who the backup is. I've been in the position where you have a stud backup, and you're just like, we're just going to keep going. And I've been in a position where you have just an absolute terrible backup, and it's just like, damn, like this is probably going to get bad, which is bad. But like, you can't help your subconscious from being honest with the situation. You can have that thought and say, you know what? Nope, we're going to do whatever we can to give him a chance. I really do believe Nick Mullins gives this team that opportunity to, hey, we've seen him beat playoff teams before. We've seen him come in and win in the fourth quarter. I don't think that you have that feeling with CJ. I really don't. And this front office and Kyle Shanahan, I know they love him and they picked him in the third round. I get all those things, but it just doesn't fit. Uh, It's going to be a Nick Mullins thing. So moving on. Next tier, I have the average tier, the 16 to 20 in the NFL. So I guess this could be slightly below average, but whatever. Um, This is the average tier. I have the wide receiver group. Now, this is an interesting one because you could have argued last year that the 49ers had the worst receiving core in the entire NFL. And I think that that was a very fair assessment. Because you had Dante Pettis, who was a rookie, who knows. You had Pierre Garçon, who was very old, got injured, didn't get a play. You had Marquise Goodwin coming off a huge year, but he had all the family issues and injury issues and just a lot of issues. I love that kid, but man, he was going through a lot last year. So last year was awful. Well, 
We have addressed this big time. And you spend a second and third round pick. You know, you go get Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. You bring in Jordan Matthews. And Trent Taylor's healthy now. Dante Pettis, you know, he showed that he can be a number one. And so I have us ranked in that kind of 19 to 22 spot. Um, I put us in average, could have put us in below average, but I have us in that. I kept moving us around uh, because there's so much potential and youth here and explosiveness. Every single receiver that we have is explosive that is starting. Dante Pettis, one of the all-time great returners in the history. I mean, he's a touchdown king. Uh, Jalen Hurd scored touchdowns five different ways (laughs) in college. Uh, Debo Samuel, same thing, five different ways in college. Like, you have these guys that are just touchdown machines. Um, So it's just got to come to fruition. There's going to be some hiccups there. There's going to be some interceptions from Jimmy Garoppolo because one of these young wide receivers read something wrong. That happens. But the potential is there. This is a group that could be huge later on. But our top three wide receivers are all under 25 years old. So youth is an issue. It really, really is. Uh, Next group I have is special teams. I have us ranked at number 20. Um, If gold comes back, then I would move us up. But our special team sucked last year outside of field goals. We were pretty awful. Gold is that good. Uh, I've statted out this team and the difference between gold and Jonathan Brown. It's 15 points. It's five different field goals made. That's two different wins. So you talk about somebody that I really hope he comes back. He he's that good. Now our punting situation was decent last year. We spend a fourth round draft pick on on Wish. Hopefully, if he's as advertised and the returners that we have are absolutely elite, we should be better. It just didn't come to fruition last year. You know, you talk about DJ Reed. He is a great returner. Raheem Mostert is a great punt gunner and returner. Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, both elite punt returners. Trent Taylor, he's a possession punt returner, but very, very good. Like, we should be pretty close to elite or very good. We just haven't seen it. So we've got some room to make up there for sure. Now, last two groups, I'm going to go a little bit faster on these just because... They're just pretty bad. Uh, this is our below average category. This 21 to 25. I have our interior offensive line as the 22 to 25 range. That I narrowed it down in there, and as I'm looking at all these teams, uh, you could argue over a few of them. But Lakin Tomlinson, you know, Weston Richburg, and then Mike Pearson. Person, sorry. That's not a strength. And most of the sacks that our quarterbacks took were from the interior. Lakin is a decent starter, so I put him in a different category than the other ones. But again, whenever I say decent starter, uh, he might be a top 20 offensive guard in the NFL. He's not elite, but he should be a starting left tackle, left guard. Uh, so I'm fine with that. Mike Person, absolutely not. I do not think that he's starter quality. I like him a lot. I love the way he plays. Um, but his mistakes are gigantic mistakes. Um, so while you watch him for a whole game and you're going to say, okay, I'm in the second quarter now, this guy's having a hell of a game. Then he's going to have two plays in a row where he gets his quarterback murdered because he completely whiffs. That's the type of stuff that I'm talking about that just, he's a backup interior guy. And if he was our utility player, then I would be very, very pleased with our interior offensive play. Western Richburg, we're paying him like a top five center in the NFL. He was not a top five center in the NFL. He wasn't healthy. 
And so do we give him a pass and say, well, we're just waiting on him to get healthy? I don't think you do because he's getting your quarterback destroyed. He's getting the run game destroyed. And if you look at those Rams games where he has to line up opposite Aaron Donald, holy cow, he did awful. So uh, there is room for improvement here. And probably one of my biggest, I don't know how I say this, I wanted a right guard in the second or third round. I understand that we need wide receiver help. However, there was some elite talent there. Eric McCoy, holy freaking cow. Um, anyway, we got to protect our quarterback. We'll see what happens this year. I'm just prepared to spend a very high draft pick um, in the top three rounds next year on interior. We'll see how they play. Hopefully, they outperform what I'm saying. Um, I'm sure all of the 49ers listen to this podcast, and they're going to use it as – <laughs> fuel that was a joke um, anyway next position cornerbacks yikes this is a huge one i have us as the 25th at best and that's being polite richard sherman i get it uh richard sherman's good uh, i don't think richard sherman's great most teams just threw away from him they just stayed away because they didn't have to throw at him um he was very very good he got burned a handful of times but he wasn't himself coming back from his achilles now the opposite corner is the biggest question mark probably on our team. And who is it going to be? Is it going to be Witherspoon? Is it going to be Jason Verrett? I'll, I'll tell you this. If Jason Verrett is healthy, he is the starting corner. He is our number two guy. Um, but that's a big if. Three straight seasons with a season-ending injury, and all of them took place either in training camp, uh, mini camp, or like week one. He has not played very much football in the last three years. He was a Pro Bowl cornerback the year before that however Quan Williams I think is a decent slot guy um I, I do like him but again man after that it's just we don't have depth and we don't have starters and we have a lot of injury history I think Tarvarius Moore is going to be a safety so I'm not considering him in this category so that means Greg Maben is going to be your backup your number four guy on the outside, that is that's scary stuff. So I, I hate our corners. I really, really do. Um, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. And then we get to the awful category, and this is the last position group we're going to talk about, the safeties. We are number 32, dead last in the league by a lot. It's not even close. You know, this front office chose to gamble with Adrian Colbert and Jaquiski Tart. That's what we're going with. You know, we have Jimmy Ward. Perhaps he was one of the starters. He's already out. Um, we don't have anybody ranked in the top 60 safeties, even though we have two, four, six safeties that took a lot of snaps. Uh, Marcel Harris was a boomer bust guy. He ranked as the 113 guy. Anton Exum Jr., yeah. DJ Reed's playing out of position. He should be the backup slot corner. We've got in playing safety. I don't know. Th this group is trash. Uh, it's very, very bad. When Tart's your best guy, and I get it when Tart is on, he's very, very good, but uh, he gives up the most big plays in our entire defense. So um, I, I just we're dead last. We have the worst safety group in the entire NFL. We'll see what happens. Perhaps the new scheme with playing more two high safety instead of single high safety will help us out. So I, that's all I want to talk about that. Now, before we jump into our history lesson, and talk about all those things. I want to take a second to thank our sponsors, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. They are the absolute best. I'm currently working with them now for our next giveaway. 
So it's going to be a good one. I'm very, very excited. So stay tuned for that. And until then, head over to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. All your memorabilia needs. Whatever team you're a fan of, obviously the 49ers, they have like 15 pages of just 49ers stuff. So head over there, GameDaySportsMemorabilia.com. All right. The NFC West. You know, this whole discussion started uh, by a simple question on Twitter. I put out a, a Twitter poll and I said, all right. Who has the worst fans in the NFC West? And people could vote. It got almost a thousand votes, which was funny. And I don't think it's much of a surprise. The Seahawks dominated this one. So 64% of the votes went to the Seahawks, 15% Rams, 12% 49ers, and 9% to the Cards. So the Seahawks very clearly, um, man, goodness, that is awful. So having said that, I, I've done other divisions as well. I haven't finished everybody. But of all the divisions, here are the winners so far. The Cowboys received 62% of the vote. Raiders, 57 of their division. Patriots, 56 of their division. So of the four divisions I've done so far, I still have more to go. The Seahawks have received the most votes from any division. Now, I do understand the majority of my followers are 49ers fans. So that take for that what it is. It's what it is. So then what I wanted to do, go beyond just, okay, crappy fans, let's look at winning seasons. So I was like, all right, let's take a quick snapshot of just the last five years. And again, this is where it gets kind of sad, but stay tuned because we're going to be talking about some good things too. Last five years, the Seahawks have five winning seasons. They actually have seven straight winning seasons, uh, which is second in the entire NFL. Pretty impressive, actually. Cardinals have two over the last five years years rams have two over the last five years and the 49ers have zero there are only two nfl teams that have zero winning seasons over the last five years it's us and the browns that's it now the good thing is both us and the browns which i don't really care about them but uh, both very looking forward uh bright times ahead so then i wanted to say all right well let's let's place in some mergers since you know 71 Winning season since the merger, and this was quite interesting. You know, the 49ers lead, obviously, with 26 winning seasons. Seahawks were second with 23, Rams 21, Cardinals with 14. The Cardinals have been a very bad team for a very, very long time. Uh, so then I was like, all right, cool. So winning seasons, let's look at Super Bowls and appearances. The 49ers crush everybody else with this one. Uh, 49ers have won five Super Bowls and six appearances. We only lost that one with Colin Kaepernick um, against the Ravens. Rams have been in four but only won one. Seahawks have been in three Super Bowls but only won one. Cards made one appearance, and they lost that one. That was the Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald years. So uh, you could add up all of the NFC West uh, Super Bowl wins and double it, and it still does not meet the 49ers. Take that for what you want. Then I looked at playoff records, and I think this was a little bit more predicting the success of what takes place with Super Bowls. The 49ers are 31-21 and 21 in the playoffs. One of the better, actually, in the entire NFL as far as win, win winning percentage goes uh, in the playoffs. Obviously, the Patriots with their last 18 years is going to be first. Rams have a losing record 21-26. and 26. The Seahawks were right at uh, 500, 16 and 16, and then the Cards at 7 and 9. But the fact that we have 31 playoff wins is bananas. Then the last thing I took a peek at, all-time winning record. 
um, from coming up. So uh, this is what we got, and this is before the merger. I didn't want to go through and count the years. This is just total franchise winning records. So the numbers are going to be off from each team uh, because we came in later, and so did the Seahawks. So uh, the 49ers, we have won 570. We have lost 486 and 16 ties. So we are almost a full 100 games above 500, which is unreal. Uh, the Rams, 568 wins, 562 losses, so just really close to 521 ties. Seahawks, 344 losses, 331 wins, one tie. You got a losing record for your career, so just keep that in mind. Most Seahawks fans don't know these things because they just know Russell Wilson, maybe Marshawn Lynch times, that's it. Uh, they didn't have any fans before that. They really didn't. So I, I get that there's kind of that 10 to 15% of a fan base that has been loyal with season tickets, you know, since they turned 18. But the majority of Seahawks fans, that's not what it is. Um, the Cardinals is abysmal. 553 wins, 753 losses, and 40 ties. They are 200 games below 500. So anyway, that's today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Next week we will have at host Chuck B on here with us and we will be breaking down each position group in the NFC West in detail and ranking them. Uh, we were supposed to do that this week, but we had some scheduling conflicts. Hopefully get that out to you guys soon. Stay strong, faithful. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.